a TV show. It's on, um, it's called the Everyday Women's Channel. Okay. And I'm on there, um, but that is not live. It's like pre-recorded, but I'm starting to get guests on there and stuff like that. And so same thing, it'll still be pre-recorded. Um, yeah. And then the plan is to turn those into a podcast, right? Like just That's super cool. Up. I'm not doing double the work. Yeah. No, that that's so good. Yeah. I was going to say, you should totally start a podcast. I'm like, that's, <laughs> it makes so much sense for what you're doing. So, yeah. You know, I know it's just like, I'm not like overly techie. And so it's like, I got to figure out the ways of doing everything. Right. And, and get, uh, get it right. So like the step-by-steps yeah. kind of a thing. Yeah. yeah. The step-by-steps. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Did you paint your room recently? No, this is, so my house is a show home. Um, it was a show home. Uh, okay. That helped me get it. <laughs> um, so, um, but this, every room is like uh, show homey. Right? Oh, <laughs> and so, so, and so all... this room is a yellow room. So like the walls are yellow. This is my office, but the walls are yellow. And like the bathroom, which is that one right behind me, um, it, it's got like wallpaper, but it's like candy cane wallpaper. It's like really loud and it's kind of fun yeah <laughs> it is it's fun it's Zianna so Zianna like Zianna likes it so it's yeah. fine but it's, it's a little much for me but yeah. eventually How's... one of these days I'll paint the walls and change things around but exactly how's she been she's been good yeah. um she's 12 now and so she um is now into a lot of her friends that's her that's her thing. And so the summer she's been playing, like going out with her friends. So right now I just went to drop her to Tim Hortons and then they'll, they'll walk to a friend's house and then they'll walk to another friend's house and they'll be out till eight or nine o'clock and then she'll come home. <laughs> kind of scary. You're like, you're only 12. Were we doing that when we were 12? I don't remember now. Maybe. You know, I, I, I remember going to the movies mm -hmm. at 12. I remember that being a big thing for us, yeah, right? That was like, a huge. Just, yeah, like, but it was cheaper, right? <laughs> so so these guys, they they can't go to movies because it's so expensive, right? And so they hang out at Tim Hortons. <laughs> or was it meet up at the mall and walk around at the food Yeah, court? meet up at the mall, walk around and go to movies. And so this is kind of the new age thing of, uh, of, of that, so. <laughs> and how's your mom and dad doing? They're doing good. Um, it's nice that they are um, now just three minutes away from me. So it makes it easier. Yeah. yeah. So um, when I go to work, I drop my dog to them and <laughs> they help me. They help me a lot. And it's, it's just yeah. good just to be close by. Right. Yeah. You know, it's interesting to see is like where time went. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. I know. It's. Uh, I think you had something in June you posted about Arf and I was like, Holy smokes, is it already been that long? Yeah, it's been seven years. So June is seven years. Yeah. So it must have been his anniversary post that I posted. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah, mom's was on Sunday, three years. And I was yeah. thinking, holy smokes, like how close they were. And Arif would come by and drop off pomegranates for my mom. And yeah. That would, and yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah, he's such a cool guy. And then yeah. I remember my mom was like, I can't make it, but you have to go or his funeral. Yes. So yeah, yeah I went there in overalls and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was interesting. Yeah. 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 There was a lot of people at that funeral. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Well, so young, right? How old yeah. was Earth then? He was 44. Yeah. 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 And then gro remember growing up with him around in Kane and volunteer with the 
I think he had like a mullet or a rat's tail. Yeah. He had something. Way he had a mullet. He had a mullet for years. Um, people always ask me, did you marry him with the mullet? Yes, I married him with the mullet. <laughs> There's a picture up here. Of, Is it? That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, of him with the mullet. And, yeah. and then uh, eventually he got rid of it. But um, I never... It didn't bother me. Like he never told no. me what to do with my hair, so why should I tell him what to do with his exactly. hair? Exactly, and it was cool. I thought it was, it was different. It was out there, and I was like, hell yeah, I like yeah. it. <laughs> Otherwise, it's boring, yeah. right? He's like everyone else. It's it's like everybody else. Yeah, it's the run of the mill of everybody else. Yeah, and so. he was truly one of a kind of a human. So that's but it. Just yeah, it just fit the bill. Yeah, for sure. Exactly. <laughs> how how has that transition been though? Going from you know a happy family, everything, to a traumatic experience, to not only that, but having someone that relies on you, which is your daughter. Yeah, um, I think the biggest thing um, is me finding my way as well as still being there for her. Like, I think um, what I, like, sometimes the pandemic was really tough you know, um, because I didn't have another adult to talk to, you know, like everybody else had yes. their own nuances of it, but they at least had another adult to talk about their fears and whatever. And, um, you know, I had to be the strong face for her, but I didn't have another adult that I could like, be like, oh my God, like what is happening in this world, you know? Um, and so, so that, that, that trend, like that part of it is a little bit, you know, um, ups and downs with it but I think a lot of it is um just finding out who I am because I think I think what happens is that I got married really young I was 23 when I got married mm -hmm. and so I was you know a girl slash woman you know and then I got married and I became a wife and a mother but I don't think I was really me in that time like I was lost with being a wife and a mother you know, and then after he passed, it was a matter of finding out who I am and what I like to do by myself and for myself, as well as being there for my daughter and being the best that I can for her. So um, it was a lot of like alone time at home and just trying to figure out what it is that I want to do with my life. You know, obviously we had plans as a couple, but now that all changed and it's like, you know, coming down to like, what is my goals? What is most important to me? And, um, you know, what do I want my life to look at, you know, and, and it does change because when you're a couple, there's different nuances, like, you know, double income and, you know, the things that you want to do as a couple, but once you, um, you know, go through the loss, then it's like, okay, what do I want to do now for me and for my daughter, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so, yeah, mm -hmm. a lot of soul searching in that period. Absolutely. And it's not like your daughter was going to be 18 next month. It was. Yeah. She's, she's five. Still... Yeah. 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 I remember because my mom and Arif were very close. I remember my mom was saying, I uh, don't know if I got it right, but she was saying that you guys were going to fulfill a couple more wishes of a reef, which was camping was one of them. Yeah. And uh, Disneyland, do you think it was? Yeah, Disneyland. He wanted to be the one that took Ziana to Disney. And so that was one of the <clears throat> first things we did once we found out that, um, you know, they said he had six months. It The next thing, like we got home from the hospital and um, we started looking at tickets 
to, to book a trip to Disney. And we booked a trip to Disney. We took her to Disney. Um, and if you talk to Zianna about her fondest memories of her dad, she will bring up Disney every single time. Oh my you know, um, it. It, it was the most amazing trip. You know, there was times where, you know, he wasn't well enough to be at certain things and he would kind of disappear. And we had a hotel pretty close to Disney so he could walk back and forth. Um, but it was still probably the best thing that we ever did you know um you know, he, it was and it was right early on where he was still you know somewhat strong mm -hmm. and was able to do that um versus waiting to do it you know i think it was probably the best thing that we did was did it right away um as soon as possible um so that you know we could do that together as a family what was it like though in terms of the two of you or yeah the two of you the two adults kind of realizing okay well six months that's not a long time your priority shift what is important what wasn't important in life what were we blinded by trying to chase uh when all this was here all, you know you start realizing things and obviously once the loved one is gone i think what you said is you started realizing who you were you don't want to be that old person again that you once were right so yeah. you start shifting and then again the pandemic comes and it really hones in to say who are you? Can you sit alone? Are you okay? Are you comfortable within yourself? And of course, we have days that are ups and downs, like just like anybody. But I think it's beautiful to see people that take the time to go within themselves. Right. So, yeah. so for you, I guess, what was it like realizing you have six months? So um, I tell the story often is um, <laughs> it's I remember being told that you know, he only has six months and being at Tom Baker and um, them telling us that. And obviously I'm crying. And then a social worker comes in and the social worker hands me this tissue box and says, this is going to be the most beautiful journey of your life. And I remember thinking in my head that I just wanted to punch her in the face. Like I was just like, <laughs> right? <laughs> Wrong time. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I was like, like thinking in my head, like has this woman ever had to say goodbye to a loved one like what what is she even thinking about and she hands me this tissue box and she says trust me this is going to be the most beautiful journey of your life and at that moment i wasn't you know obviously listening or ready to listen but it honestly was a beautiful journey because if you think about it if you take out you know a lot of the, the stuff that we focus on that we and we were just really focused on making the most of every single day because we didn't know if we had tomorrow and so it was living each day to the fullest getting rid of all the junk that you you know kind of fill your day with and really just making every single day as impactful as possible um and ensuring that everybody in your little world felt special you know and and could could wake up the next morning knowing if something did happen that they were okay with what happened yesterday you know, mm. and so it was a really beautiful journey, to be quite honest with you, um, as much as I wanted to punch that social worker in the yeah. face at that time, if I look back on it, it was a beautiful journey. We, you know, made sure we went to bed without with, with saying I love you to each other every night. You know, we didn't get into fights. We only talked about things that mattered, you know, really, um, you know, he he got to plan his funeral. He got to plan, you know, things to do for the week. He got to plan 
all of that stuff. And those are things that people don't normally talk about or don't want to talk about, but we got to talk about all that stuff. And I knew that after he passed, everything I was doing was everything he wanted. So, uh, because I was able to have that time and, and a lot of people aren't blessed to have that time, you know, um, but, you know, we were blessed with that time and we were able to make the most of it. You know, it's beautiful that you think the same way in, in many ways that I do, where it's, you know, count your blessings. Don't be like, well, why wasn't he here for, or why wasn't my mom here for this event or this thing? It's like, no, whatever they were there for, we're grateful for and we're thankful for not why they're not here for this. And, yeah. and, and you remember those great happy moments. And I think that's a really good way to rewire things and then also be thankful with that silver lining that, hey, you know what? Yeah, we had these X amount of months with our loved one. Many people don't. Yeah. And then the ability to say goodbye. Yeah. Uh, the pandemic showed us people were doing it via FaceTime on iPads. Yeah. Could you imagine that? <laughs> no, I could not imagine that. Throughout the whole pandemic, I kept thinking that, you know, Arif would have hated that. He would have hated not just being sick during that time, but even just being healthy and being alive during that period of time, he would have hated it. He would have hated every single minute of that. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I think back and I think like, you know, they do say things happen for a reason. And, and, you know, I think he would have hated that. And I would, if he was sick, that would have been horrible to deal with, you know, um, having to say goodbye over FaceTime um, on an iPad, you know, like that would have been horrible for my daughter for sure too. Mm -hmm. And even for the person that's passing away, you know, it's also the dignity of life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's uh, it's been interesting, yeah. I was listening to something that you said, and you said um, the power of no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is so important, but it's something we all got to learn. How did you learn that? Because, um, you know, being a yes person all the time can probably get you in trouble. <laughs> Yeah. It, and, you know, I, um, I'm a self-identified people pleaser and, um, you know, it, it started to really weigh on me. And I think it was after Arif passed away where I realized that I, I need to put some boundaries in place because there was so much of me that it was being demanded of and, and things that I was sort of feeling guilty about and things I wasn't um, really, you know, maybe even being forced to do you know, um, that I would have maybe done before because I just would have gone along with it. But, you know, my time became so valuable to me because I didn't have another person that I can pass certain things off to just, you know, something simple as, Hey, can you take the clothes out of the washer and put it in the dryer? I didn't have somebody else to do that for me. Right. And so my time became very precious and very valuable to me. Um, as well as I realized how short life actually is and, and, you know, and, and I really, came down to what my priorities are and what I want to accomplish in life. And um, I, I learned the value of no, and to be able to have those boundaries and really create those boundaries. And so maybe if it is, you know, a family dinner and I, I can't attend, you know, it's like, you know, unfortunately I'm not able to attend on this date, but can we reschedule for another date or is there one in the future? And, and, you know, um, and conditioning those people to be like, okay, I actually have to give a couple of days notice to people so that they can arrange their lives around this. And it's not just at a drop of a dime anymore, that things are going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. 
like, hey, you want to come over? No, I can't anymore. It's not like that. Yeah, yeah it's not like that, you know, yeah. and, um, and, and, you know, it took a while and um, I wanted to throw in the towel and be like, well, I should probably just go back to saying yes, it's easier because it is easier to say yes than it is to say no. Yeah. Um, but, you know, um, saying no um, has allowed me to be free and happier and have joy. And when I do say yes, I'm happier to be there, you know, because I've mm. chose to be there versus being forced to be there. Right, like, oh gosh, it's like you're coming to this event. I don't want to go, but all right. <laughs> I don't want yeah. to go. And, and, and imagine your energy, right? At those events that yeah. you're forced to go to versus one you're choosing to go to. Your energy is completely different. You had over 20 years of experience in the financial industry. Yes. What made you start utilizing social media because that's really cool to see and that really got my attention to say oh my god zara you're killing it here i love it you know the content's fun um you have a humanization to it which is yourself and then you also bring your daughter in to show you know we're a family and you put your vulnerability out there but not in terms of uh pity but more or less empowerment which is beautiful to see it's it's saying yeah you know what I've faced the darkest of times, but you can still shine bright. And and you're you resemble that. So how did that happen? Um, I think it was something I, I guess with what happened in my life, you know, being a financial professional for so long, um, when we were given the six months, really finances was was something we didn't talk about, you know, because we both felt that I would be okay with it because I have a background in finances. Um, when we got married, um, you know, Arf said to me, do you want to do the finances? And I said, no, I do everybody else's finances on a day to day basis. I don't want to come home and do the finances, right? You need to do it. You know, you need to learn, you know, and so um, and, and I said I would supervise and really over time supervising became non existent Existent. And exactly. so, um, you know, we just both felt that I would be okay because of my background. But what happens is that when you go through grief, as you know, there is brain fog that comes with that. And there is, you know, abilities of not being able to do certain things and not wanting to, you, you just don't want to do it. And so there, there were times where I just mm -hmm. didn't want to do a lot of the financial aspect that I needed to do. And it got me thinking that if I struggled so much with this, even with my background, how many other women out there struggle? And I know that when I did work at the bank, um, you know, there was times where I would see, you know, women who had had a loss or had a divorce and they're stuck and they're struggling and they don't know what's going on. And it's not a matter of they don't want to be a part of it or they didn't want to learn. It just life happens and you just end up taking roles on and, and things like that. And, and you just don't know, and it's not taught in schools. And it's, you know, um, we're not taught a lot of this stuff and our parents don't, didn't teach us this stuff. And so really I wanted to go on and, and start empowering women and teaching women, um, but not like the stuff that the financial gurus out there teach, because I have a completely different thought process than all of that. You know, I feel like a lot of the old school financial gurus that are out there, they are geared towards men and rich white men, to be quite frank, you know, and and I didn't want to speak that language. I wanted to speak to the women because 
women, when money comes in women's hands, so many good things happen, you know, and, and if we can learn how to be financially literate, we can teach our children um, and we can do so many amazing things with it. Right. Did you see it also in cultures uh, where women had a hard time understanding? Yes. Yeah. Is yeah. it because uh, the lack of passing the roles or the batons or? I think so. Maybe it is the lack of, of giving it, but it's also the, the kind of set roles that are, you know, like I, I always say that there's like pink jobs and blue jobs that kind of happen in a marriage, you know? Um, and so in my marriage, um, you know, like I, you know, filled gas in my car and he washed my car and he did all, all the car stuff and I did the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning and, 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 you know, and so in those roles, then it's like the financial aspect usually falls to the man, you know, and, and the woman gets so busy in, in the children and all the other stuff that it's just, it doesn't, there's no crossover. And, and I think that, um, you know, the marriages that I've seen that are absolutely amazing with the finances is it's a joint effort, you know, and it's, it's, you know, maybe it's monthly family meetings where it's like everybody sits down and talks about the budget and everybody talks about what's going on and it's open and, and everybody is involved in that situation, but you know, in normal life that doesn't happen, you know? And so it'd be nice if people started to do these, you know, family meetings and, and we have family meetings, you know, um, you know, Zianna and I will have a family meeting and we'll talk about things. And I think it makes it easier to say no to your child when they know what's going on. When you say, okay, like this month we're saving up for Christmas, you know? And so if you want to have a good Christmas, we kind of got to get tight a little bit this month so that we can have a good Christmas and your kids understand that. And they're like, oh, Okay, yeah. And so then they stop asking for the $2 toy at Dollarama, you know? Well, <laughs> and, you know, those $2 add up, don't they? It does <laughs> add up. And, and when you have those open discussions and when women are involved in those open discussions, it just makes it more of a family unit and everybody kind of comes on board and you can make decisions together. But also in case anything happens, everybody knows what's the plan. Like, what's the plan? What was our plan for the future? What were we doing with this money? How much money do we have? How much debt do we have? You know, all of that. You know how you said during the pandemic, you felt alone. There was not another adult in the house to talk to. It's kind of funny because there's the other side where there's two adults talking, but they didn't want to talk to each other. <laughs> And yes. um, and then there's obviously the unfortunate part of that where there were divorces happening and, uh, you know, men and women going separate ways um, in a pandemic. You don't know what to do with yourself. Life is falling apart globally. Yeah. Uh, how did you realize that you could show your skills and what you do online? I think that's super neat that you found a way to a come out of um, a darker time. But not just come up personally, but say, let's go online and and talk and share stories. How did that happen for you? Well, you know, I, I actually really love social media. Like I, okay. I, I love, I love Instagram. I love TikTok. I love all of it. And I was always on 
you know, social media. And so, you know, I, I think it was around, around the pandemic time, I started to see reels coming up more. And yes. I was, you know, and I was like, you know, this is something I can do. And, and, you know, they were fun and they were light and, and, you know, I could make light of things and, and have some fun with it. And, um, and that's really what I started doing was just, you know, creating some fun reels and um, they started to take off, you know, and, uh, and just started to have fun with them. And, um, you know, having a child that is Gen Z in the house, you know, she's like my little mini social man media manager and she, yeah. she helps me with things and she'll be like hey you should do this reel or you should yeah. do this tiktok and um and so it just kind of goes from there and um i think it it helps get you know the word out there helps people see things but also um in talking about money money is you know unfortunately it's not sexy it's you know kind no, of boring. It's not. They, yeah. but why do we relate it always to something very uh, taboo or ugly to talk about money like, and that's the thing that I that I want to break down is that it is okay to talk about money. And, you know, I talked about it is that, you know, when one girl's night, we'll talk about our sex lives <laughs> all the time. We'll talk yes. about it, you They're know, true. but yes. we won't talk about our finances. And it's like, those are two kind of taboo things, but we're more likely to talk about yes, what's so happening right. in the bedroom versus what's happening in our bank accounts. And, and if we just, you know, change that dialogue a little bit and, get rid of some of that stigma you know you if you start talking to your friends i'm pretty sure a lot of them have the same fears the same guilt the same anxieties that you do around money and you know maybe there's something that you guys can create from that maybe there's a financial club you can create or like you know like a book club you can create like a financial club amongst yourselves and learn a new skill every time um you know and and really break a lot of that stigma down Right. I like that you post certain ways to budget or better ways to budget. I think recently you had like a checklist of some sort and I was like, wow, that's pretty handy. I actually even saved it on my phone. That's awesome. I loved it. I was like, this is great. It's a tool, you know, it's a, it's something you can go back to and say, okay. Yeah. And it's a tool. And, and like I said, we've never been taught it. And so, um, you know, a lot of times people will say, and I remember saying this in the bank, like, oh, you need to budget, but yeah the person who you say it to is actually scared to tell you that I've never done a budget before. Like, mm. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, I know the word budget, but I don't, I don't even know where to start, you know? And so they leave your office with this. You think you gave them such great advice. Like you just need a budget. And, and so it's a matter of, you know, just breaking it down, making it small, making it easy and simple so that, you know, that barrier is gone. And so you can move on to, you know, other things that, okay, you know, from the budget, you can see, where all your money is going, where you can cut down, right. you know, how you can start investing, what kind of mm -hmm. goals you have, um, and all of that. Well, I think, okay, so here's the other thing. It's like they say, oh, budgeting is boring. It is. <laughs> now, when you're, you are trying to budget, what are some of the things someone should start with or look at at first? Should it be dining? Should it be, you know, where should someone start exactly? Well, you know, I, um, I always tell people that um, if you just want to do like the lazy girl budgeting is what I call it, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's really pick three categories that you know you overspend on. Everybody has three categories that they could pick, right? And so, um, you know, for me, it's Amazon. 
it's coffee and it's winners, right? Like those are the three that I tend to overspend on. And then just grab the last month's statement and grab three different highlighters and just highlight each category, you know, or each, each of those in different colors and add it up. And then just make it your goal that next month you want to beat that number. And so maybe it was you spent $75 on Amazon last month. Okay, so this month you're going to be like, I'm only going to spend 50 and see if you can beat it and really start making it a game. And then you can start really getting into the habits of it. Because once mm -hmm. you're mindful of the fact that you overspend in, you know, those three categories already right then and there, you're going to start being more mindful when you go click an Amazon to go buy something, you Absolutely, know, yes. it just creates those, those things in your brain where it's like, okay, maybe I shouldn't do this. Maybe I shouldn't think about this. And then having the game part of it where it's like, okay, well, I'm trying to beat $75, you know, and even if it's $69, you're, you're better off, right? Exactly. Um, and 75, then, yeah. Then 75. And then the next month you're trying to beat, you know, last month's number. Um, and so, you know, that's really the best way to get started is just something as simple as that. And that, that is where you're going to start really cutting down on some expenses and seeing where your money is going. For sure. You have a book out there that people can get a hard copy of or via online. Yes. I gotta see this thing. Let's... Oh yes, this is amazing. It's Lucky called with Lucky money. With money. <laughs> awesome. I love that. Good for you. How was that as an accomplishment? That's huge. It was huge. I always wanted to write a book. And so um, I did and it's here and um, I'm excited about it. It um, I, I took it from an aspect of um, so when my parents immigrated, um, you know, obviously from mm -hmm. East Africa to Canada yes. and, um, you know, we're a family of four, um, you know, kids, you know, and so my sister was already born in East Africa. And when my parents came to Canada, my mom was pregnant with my brother. And so my brother was the first one that was born in Canada. And then I was born 16 months later. And they said that when I was born, their rags riches story sort of started. And so the minute I was born, their you know, story change, they started seeing, you know, more wealth, they started oh. seeing things. And so um, I was told my whole entire life that I was lucky with money and that I brought the wealth into the family. And so um, I've always held that narrative in my head that I, I'm good with money, and I've always been good with money, and I brought in money. And so that's what this talks about is the fact of how, you know, how my story played in my life, you know, um, and how, you know, the stories that we've been told as children sometimes play with us and, and right. really affect our money stories. And if you think back to what your first money memory is, my first money memory was that I was told I brought wealth into the world, but that's so cool. A lot of people were told that money was evil. And so it makes it this taboo thing. And you just have this bad relationship with money versus, you know, um, people who are being told other things in their lives about money. And here you're welcoming it with open hands and saying, yeah. okay, <laughs> I can control you. I can learn from you and you can try to do something, but I'll move that. Yeah. Now, is it about preserving the money or always making more money or is it finding a way of both? Like how it's a balance all the time, right? It's a balance all the time. Yeah. It's about, you know, um, obviously living within your means, yes. but also increasing your income, whether through side hustles or better jobs or negotiating mm -hmm. higher salaries or anything like that. 
um, or, you know, and then also making your money work for you. And so investing and, you know, getting your money to work for you versus it sitting in the bank and the bank making money off of it. Exactly. Yes. And giving it back out the cycle, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When you look at your, your life and goals and, you know, we both know life can be all and end all at any time, any moment. How do you say when I'm 60 years old, this is the goal I want? Do you live that way or do you say tomorrow or today, this is how I want to feel and this is my goal of the day? I think I, I, I live my life in a way of what my, my goals are, but not tied to age. You know, it's, mm, it's about like the lifestyle that I want. You know, um, and so what is the lifestyle that I want? What do I want my dream day to look like, you know, and, and really live in that space, live in that world and really um, aspire for that, you know? Um, yes, it's great, you know, obviously having long-term goals and long-term um, objectives, um, but also knowing what your values are. Like, what do you value? You know, um, and so I often tell people like I have a cleaning lady and, and, you know, somebody will see that as a, you know, a luxury item, but mm -hmm. I see it as it paying for a cleaning lady every two weeks frees up time for me because my value is spending, that was my more, mom. Time, yeah. Yeah, it's spending more time with my child. And I value mm -hmm. spending more time with her, making more memories with her, that it's okay for me to pay that kind of money. But somebody else might actually enjoy cleaning their house and be like, oh, yeah. no, 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 I don't want a cleaning lady because that is my self-care moment where I get time to myself and I get peace and quiet and, 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 you know, all of that. And, and that's fine. And so it's a matter of what your values are. It's like a landscaper or gardener. Yeah. Or if you enjoy it. Sure. Exactly. exactly. Right. And so just knowing what your values are and then aligning your goals with your values. And once you do that, you end up in pure alignment with your money and you know exactly where you want it to go and what you want it to do for mm -hmm. you. So do you plan every month and say, this is how much I'm going to spend, or this is what I want to spend? And, and then did, I think you wrote something about having a, an emergency fund. Yes. That is important that I think people should start looking into if they haven't already, <laughs> especially with this recession coming around. I, you know, it is a fear, right? Yeah. People, yeah. And I think an emergency fund is um, really important. Um, a lot of people don't have emergency funds and, you know, and so building a base emergency fund of like three to six months emergency, you know, just in case if something goes wrong, you know, your furnace goes tomorrow or, you know, you got a major car repair that has to happen. You've got money for it. Um, and, and for me, um, I like things in like separate bank accounts and I like to label them. And so, you know, um, banks nowadays, you're allowed to rename things, right? Yes. And so, um, you, you know, multiple savings accounts and things go into each of those buckets. And so, you know, it says emergency funds so that when my eyes look at it and I see the money there, I know that that's for emergencies only, you know, but I also have a travel fund because I like to travel. And yeah, so, see. yeah, <laughs> you know, and so then I look at that and when I see some money in there, I know I can use that for travel, you know, exactly. um, and, and because, you know, I, my mind, the way that it works is that if I have money that's set aside for long-term, I don't want to dip into that to go travel, you know, like no. I feel bad when I've dipped into that to yeah. go travel. And so when I have my travel fund, 
I, I can do it guilt-free because that money was earmarked for fun travel. money. Yeah, yeah, fun money. You know, I have a shoe account as well. Oh, I love it. Oh, yes. I love that. That's amazing. Yeah, there's also a shoe account. So then I know that I can just, you know, I can spend in those categories mm -hmm. that are important to me and not feel guilty. Exactly. But it's, it's awesome that you save, but you also budget, yet also have fun when you want. Right? Exactly. And I think that's important to the whole balance. Of yeah, because what's the point of money? I heard um, somebody tell me this long time ago was that um, coffins don't have drawers and, it, and, and you know, people want to take their money with them, you know, and, and what's the point of it? If you can't, if you can't use it and enjoy it and have fun, then what is the point? You know, yeah. you really want to make sure that it's there, exactly. it's serving a purpose for you, um, but you're able to still have fun in life and live the life you know a joyous life exactly and i think we've seen that before where people you know are grumpy or not happy in life and have all the money in the world but you know they're just they're not doing anything with it they yeah. don't travel they don't live and i think yeah. that's uh probably not a great place to be is it no <laughs> yeah. so coffins don't have drawers that's a good I one love it. yeah well thanks again zara for this appreciate it today thank you so much you got it.